Welcome to Prose and Context, a podcast about life-giving teaching by the English Department at Lexington Christian Academy. This is Nancy Neese, and this podcast is called Let Them Teach You, an Integrated Skills Unit for ELL Middle Schoolers. Last spring, when I was unexpectedly teaching a mixed class of middle schoolers from China, whose TOEFLs range from 25 to 50, I was just running out of ideas how to bridge the gaps in their abilities. Hey, Steve, I shouted out to my colleague in the hallway. What am I going to do for the next six weeks? He replied, let them teach you. This podcast covers the development of a surprisingly successful unit on integrated skill building for international middle schoolers that grew out of that snatched conversation with my friend. In it, I'll discuss how to build a unit that evenly develops the four foundational skills of reading, writing, speaking, and listening in a way that is developmentally sound for a mixed-level group that repeats the lessons with incremental increases in difficulty to increase mastery and is content-rich. Over a six-week time span, focusing on the topic of the civil rights movement, my students each read and researched three separate topics wrote and revised three short essays, and gave three presentations, all of which were practiced, then presented formally, where they taught the class what they'd learned. Given the wide range in ability level from early beginner to low intermediate, my goal was to help each student advance from where he or she was starting from. Also, since the class was on American Studies, I hope to give the entire class a basic working familiarity with the civil rights movement with exposure to its key players, places, and events, and with an ability to discuss those events using their newly learned and shared vocabulary. While the focus of the unit was researching, reading, digesting and presenting material, writing clear, simple explanations for the topics, and learning to speak clearly to convey that information, I found many other useful skills were practiced in the process. First, they developed their rudimentary research skills, learning how to find websites beyond Wikipedia that define their topics. Second, they learned how to create a slide presentation, receiving basic instruction in layout, content, and design. Third, they learned how to create a works cited entry for the websites they used, since I required it on both their research paragraphs and on their slides. And fourth, they learned how to separate definitional content, the what of their topics, from the more challenging significance of their content, the answer to the question of why this matters. The other significant success for me as a teacher was how much I learned about how to create an effective assignment for both beginning and low intermediate learners. Since I was inventing this assignment, where they taught their classmates as I learned it myself and taught it myself, and since I was repeating the assignment three times, each time I could refine what I was asking by seeing what the pitfalls were that stymied their progress. And the pitfalls varied, depending on the fluency level of the student. Learning how to better design a more effective and carefully structured assignment was a definite fruit of this reiterative labor. I divided the topics into three sections. Definitions, causes and effects, and people and solutions. Each section lasted two weeks and consisted of four separate tasks focusing on building the four separate skills. A reading component, which consisted of research into the student's topic, seeking answers to three overarching questions each student proposed. A writing component, 
where the students answered the three questions and wrote short one-paragraph answers using full sentences and explanations. This ran about a page. A speaking component where the students created slideshows, which required editing the material in their essays into bullet points, as well as designing slides that communicated clearly. And finally, a vocabulary component where the students created a list of new words they had uncovered that they would teach the class at the beginning of their slide presentation. The first section, on definitions, I assigned each student a separate topic. The Emancipation Proclamation, 14th Amendment, uh, which granted citizenship to slaves, the 15th Amendment, which granted African-American men the right to vote, Jim Crow, voting tests, Brown versus the Board of Education, and the word civil rights. To support the differing skill and ability levels in the class, I assigned topics based on relative fluency in English. So for this first section, definitions, I gave the student with the 25 TOEFL the Emancipation Proclamation because I knew that even those two words would be a handful, and that explaining what those two new vocabulary words meant or what the proclamation consisted of, all I really required was that he note who Lincoln was, when this occurred, and what the proclamation accomplished. However, I knew that that would be difficult. So I, and I, I gave the student with the strongest English skills, who was a diligent student, the Brown versus Board of Education definition. She found it difficult, but was challenged, and did extensive research to answer the questions. For the voting test definitions, I gave the entire class a set of voting tests from the Jim Crow period, and had them try to take them. What proved compelling was how they enjoyed figuring out what was wrong with the tests. Given their own limited expertise in English, they were initially as likely to think their confusion and inability to fulfill the test requirements were due to their own limitations. However, once they realized the test purpose, uh, which was to deny blacks the right to vote, they took delight in figuring out what was actually wrong with the English or where the ambiguities lay. This group activity gave another beginning English speaker good material from which to structure and write her definition. For the amendments, those students assigned the, the students assigned those topics had to define the word constitution and amendment and define what those were. So while a definition for a native speaker would be fairly straightforward, the granting of citizenship to former slaves or the right to vote for black men for those two amendments, for the non-native speaker, the concept of the Constitution or an amendment preceded understanding those granted rights. The reading component was the second section. So for their short research paragraphs, their instruction was to read material from websites to gain a basic understanding of the material. I handed out a list of linguistically accessible websites for them to start with, such as History.com, Britannica.com, and the National Humanities Center. Given their low to middling level of fluency, they were allowed to read Wikipedia to get a general idea of the topic, but just to start good habits, I required that all the material come from more reliable websites. The challenges for them with websites were expected but worthwhile. They could not always read the material, so, for example, one student wrote that segregation was a problem in South Africa, which, while accurate, had little to do with American civil rights. He had drawn his conclusion from a text that compared Thurgood Marshall to Nelson Mandela, drawing parallels he could not decipher. However, as I allowed them to work on these projects in class as well as at home, and because I would review their reading research as soon as they Google-docked it to me, I could travel the room and offer guidance that kept them on track. One girl, a seventh grader with low fluency, struggled because she wished to copy the language. However, I encouraged her to write in declarative sentences, since those 
are what would work on the slides anyway, so she had to distill what she read and turn it into her own language. If I repeat this assignment, I might offer the younger, less fluent learners some of the civil rights packets I often offer my ninth grade class just to give them some easier material. The next component was a writing component. For the writing assignment, they had to write three questions and then answer them simply. I quickly learned from their one to two page responses that setting up their own questions was confusing because they had trouble identifying what was important and what wasn't, so they were led down squirrel holes I didn't wish them to pursue. I had imagined them constructing simple questions such as, what is the Emancipation Proclamation? But my student's first question was, why Lincoln think it is for preservation of union rather than abolition of slavery? Which actually delves more deeply into Civil War history in ways that are beyond his sort of language fluency. I had imagined a definition of voting test that followed the examples I handed out, but my student wandered far afield, asking, what happened led to voting rights? And answering, Alabama state troopers attacked peaceful participants. Somehow, we'd moved from voting tests to the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to the Selma and Montgomery March. I knew I needed to set up the questions for them in advance for the next round. Fortunately, since revision is built into all my classroom work with international students, they had a chance to revise their three paragraphs extensively after responding to my comments. In keeping with the research that prioritizes authentic communication as a means for building language skills, I focused my comments on content rather than on grammar. I made some comments on grammar, the usual shout-outs about articles or subject-verb agreement, but mostly I tried to respond to the students' thinking and to help them clarify and to keep them engaged. They then passed in a second revised version of their research paragraphs, which I graded. The third section, the presentation. The third assignment was to prepare a public presentation for the class in which they would teach the material that they learned that listeners could grasp. My primary goals for this assignment was to practice speaking skills and to practice writing clear, short bullet points from which they could speak more extensively and which would require them to generate their own language, not on the slides, and thereby advance their speaking skills and their capacity to generate material on their own without reading, which is a challenge for all of them. I also wanted to keep the presentation simple, time-limited, and clear enough so that the listeners could actually engage with the speaker and develop their listening skills. Working on the fourth skill, improving listening, improving listening accuracy, was key, which meant that the presentations themselves had to be very simply written and clear in order to communicate effectively with a mixed group, group of imperfect listeners. For this assignment, I required a basic slide structure, a title page, a vocabulary slide, usually three to five words, the three questions that they were answering, which by this time I was providing, then a slide with question one plus the answer, a slide with question two plus the answer, a slide with question three plus the answer, and then a summary slide and they were allowed to use photos as they wished. This assignment proved more effective than I envisioned, primarily because of the real connection between the student teaching the material and the listeners. The process also went through revision. Students had a chance to make a presentation, which the class would critique, and then the student could revise the slides and do a second presentation for a grade. This exercise proved particularly effective because the student had to direct her attention to the class and try to teach what she knew, ensuring her classmates' comprehension. Listeners could ask questions, make comments, and present their confusion. Quickly, 
students realized, amidst much laughter, what was missing on their slides, what they'd not explained effectively, what the viewers failed to grasp. Long-winded explanations to questions quickly drew glassy stares, which I would point out. Sometimes I would ask the speaker during the practice section, session to ask his or her audience to answer the question he or she posed. The often confused reply led to class discussions on how to revise for clarity. This practice session also led to a recognition of pronunciation errors and led to student presenters teaching the class how to pronounce impossible words, such as discrimination, segregation, or emancipation. Also, the vocabulary used in the presentation was on the first slide, so this process of teaching the slide offered connection with the audience since they had to actually teach the words, not just read them out. Sometimes they would teach and ask classmates to define the words they had just taught without reading from the slide. Again, in exercising in formulating language individually, as well as in pronunciation practice. Sometimes the teacher-student would go around the room, having each class classmate pronounce the word until he or she was satisfied. Given their complete lack of experience in presenting to classmates, I simplified the requirements and had them adhere to, fairly, adhere to them fairly strictly. Even then, the pitfalls were many. Some wrote whole paragraphs, stealing them from their research paragraphs instead of bulleted points. Some would, as would be expected, copied wholesale from internet sites, despite their revisions to the research. However, they quickly saw how difficult it was to read a complicated passage aloud, especially one they slapped in there without really grasping the content, and how they quickly ran over the three-minute time limit. They also saw how attempting to crowd all the information into slides was impossible. The question and answer structure of the assignment, followed by short bulleted points, helped control the endless creative alternatives that they thought of. I did hand out a sheet detailing the guidelines for creating slides, such as using bold headlines, using bullets, 30-point font, effective typefaces, layout, how to make a good layout, using phrases, not sentences, and reminding them to check for grammar and spelling errors. I also gave them guidelines on practicing, that they should practice with a friend, a classmate, or they should practice in front of a mirror, and that they had to time themselves before they got in front of the class. Of course, they did not follow directions. So when it came to design, they also learned from teaching each other that 20-point type or 18-point type or 10-point type is not visible at the back of the class, or that photos dating from 2002 probably are not from the civil rights movement. Class critiques were boisterous, lively affairs because everyone stumbled at this new activity and because the problems were shared and repeated. Photos were too small or too large or not connected to content. Slides were too crowded or a timeline had too many dates. The text was too dense for the speaker to read or the listener to understand. These features that impeded communication became quickly obvious in a group critique. Also, the class discussion of how to improve each student's presentation provided meaningful exchanges in which to practice spoken English. Again, practicing engaged communication with classmates and attempting to provide worthwhile information helped them to develop their speaking skills. Finally, they were given a second chance to present and the class offered a new critique. The final results adhered to the three-question format much more closely, the photos matched more closely with content, and the students were creative with color and font. Another useful factor was that often the challenging vocabulary or concepts that showed up on slides were cited by multiple students, so the concepts or words would be repeated, 
building a common corpus. I collected the shared words and created a civil rights vocabulary list, one for concepts and one for unfamiliar words. So after I finished those two sections, I mean that section on definitions, I moved on to causes and effects and created the whole assignment all over again using a new focus. I chose the following events, lynching, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, the Ku Klux Klan, Freedom Riders, Greensboro Four, the Montgomery bus boycott, the Selma to Montgomery march, and the march on Washington. Again, we went through the same three projects, reading research, writing answers to three questions, and this time I gave them the questions, and they were, what is this event? Who was involved? Why is it important to civil rights? It was amazing how far afield they went when I had let them make up their own questions. For the second iteration, the students showed massive improvement. Not only did they understand the expectations and demonstrate a working familiarity with how to complete the assignment, they were fully engaged. Each person had his or her own project. Each wanted to be a good teacher. Furthermore, they'd learned what went wrong last time, yet they were starting again with fresh but more familiar material. The discussion of civil rights that ensued due to the first project led to greater working knowledge, shared vocabulary, and historical context. I was impressed at how great the improvement was. I really was. For the last section, which was people, or people and solutions, I chose the following people. This is the third iteration of the same assignment. Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, Ruby Bridges, Thurgood Marshall, James Meredith, Martin Luther King, his leadership, who the man was, and Martin Luther King, his speeches, what his words were, and the Little Rock Nine. Not surprisingly, this last set of short essays and presentations were the most polished. Students had mastered how to research material, create appropriate slides, and genuinely answer the questions in a detailed and focused way. There was absolutely no comparison uh, to the very first efforts and these final results. I was really proud of them, and they were proud of themselves. What had been a hassle in the beginning for them, all the strictures I placed and what they could include, the simplicity I demanded on the slides, the accuracy of the information in their own words rather than stolen from websites, became structures they learned how to follow and manage. Their speaking improved, they took pride in explaining what they knew, and their shyness disappeared. It also really drew the class together because everyone was having the same experience. So what were the challenges? In this class, I had several very low-level students. That is, students who range from 12 to 14 years old, whose TOEFLs range from 25 to 40. What worked about this assignment was that they could fully participate, even though the skills were limited. They all made the common error of copying too much material at first, but by the end, they'd each learned to present in clear declarative sentence in keeping sentences in keeping with their linguistic level. They all had trouble researching because reading even simple websites such as history.com proved difficult, but I worked with each of them to help them get the main ideas. They each had trouble speaking extemporaneously, especially since I would not allow them to read their slides. But I had them put the key concepts on their slides, and they practiced after school with me, so they could present too. The more advanced students also improved significantly, and by the time of their final presentations were easily able to use the civil rights vocabulary they had mastered, they were able to create really strong and impressive presentations, and they had become more skilled teachers with a greater command over the classroom and their classmates. The great thing was that both sets of students were actually able to teach the class what they'd learned, no matter what their level was, 
And in so doing, they were mastering the material for themselves, as we teachers all know. I closed the unit with a presentation on the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to show them the results of all this struggle. I also gave them a civil rights test, which included being able to write definitions for all of the key concepts, uh, an ability to match concepts with people or events, and finally, writing a one-paragraph essay to explain the causes and effects of the civil rights movement and the people involved. I listed all of the events, cause, causes, people, and concepts we covered, and then I required they incorporate half of these terms in their essays. Overall, I was really pleased with the effectiveness of this unit in building skill mastery and basic knowledge of a key period in our recent history. The repetitive process allowed students to steadily improve, and the structure kept my teaching of material to a minimum, and their engagement at a maximum. So when you wonder what to do next to improve the knowledge and skills of English language learners, and you're dealing with a mixed group, my advice is let them teach you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Prose and Context, a podcast for life-giving teaching by the English Department at Lexington Christian Academy. Please subscribe to our podcast and come back again next week.